Hi, this is Dan Cassetta. Welcome to Flashback Friday on Changing Lives, Selling Knives. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from people who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. Episodes feature some of Cutco's most prominent alumni and top achieving current leaders. Flashback Friday is your chance to hear a short piece of one of my favorite past episodes. We'll hand select the best nuggets to share with you in this short form. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's flashback. Today we are flashing back to episode number 27 with Amy and Josh Muller, one of the most formidable power couples I know in the Cutco Vector marketing family. Josh has risen to become the number three all-time sales rep in the history of Cutco, with over $7.5 million in sales. Amy has been influential in the company in multiple roles, and more notably has elevated herself from very challenging circumstances in her early life to become a best-selling author and speaker while supporting Josh in his business for many years. Together, they run a successful coaching and training business called Vast Action which helps entrepreneurs, small business owners, and direct salespeople scale and maximize their businesses. This short snippet begins with Josh sharing some of the keys to his prolific success as a sales rep. He also shares what he and Amy provide for their clients with vast action. Amy identifies some transformational experiences along her personal journey and shares a compelling insight from her great book, Destination Awesome. I know you'll love this short flashback. Whenever you get value from a CLSK episode, please share it with others and consider supporting one of our sponsors by visiting changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. You'll find deals there for Organifi, something I use all the time, as well as Brain Fuel and Good Weather Wine, which were founded and run by Cutco Vector alums. To hear more from Amy and Josh, remember to revisit our full conversation at episode number 27. Josh, you have gone on to become literally one of the all-time top Cutco sales reps in history. What have been some of the keys to your advancement in sales and having produced millions of dollars in personal sales? Yeah. So, well, I think... In the beginning, it was really having a manager that I think believed in me more than I believed in myself and was always willing to carve out time um, for me to talk with her. And I think that you know a great thing in the beginning was learning to trust the program. Um, I was smart enough to just do what I was told to do. And I think that really helped me build the foundation that I needed in place. But then after that, it was about just... I was always open and I still am open to you know growing and learning. Just having that growth mindset, I think, has really made a difference. I remember talking to one of my, you know, an FSM, Amy's first FSM that she, de- that she developed, who was in our office named Jamar Cobb Denard. He's in politics in Indiana now. Um, but uh, Jamar actually, uh, you know, uh, I asked him, like, hey, how do you stay motivated? Which is a big question that I get asked a lot nowadays. And I remember Jamar was the first person to introduce me to the idea. He just responded with a question Hey, have you thought about where you want to be in five or 10 years? Have you made a five or 10 year plan yet? And I was like, no, like, how do you do that? And he's like, you sit down and you ask some questions and you kind of think about where you want to be. 
And I remember that, like, and sitting down and going through that exercise on my own, that being a moment where I learned the importance of creating long-term vision and, and really like using that as leverage to create short-term motivation now. I remember having a, a, a conversation with one of my region managers, Earl Kelly at the time. And, um, you know, just, uh, Earl and I were trying to figure out how to create the spark in the, in the Southwest region, because back then our number one rep for the year was at $80,000 in sales while there were people in the Midwest and the Western and multiple other regions that were doing 200,000 or more in a year. And, uh, and just, you know, uh, Earl had spoken with, I, I can't remember if it was you or if it was someone else in the Western region, Dan, but just asked like, what did it, what was it that created the FSM and CSP culture in the Western region? And, he was told that it was having someone who was willing to step out and set an example and break new records and set a new bar and, and really lead through example of sales performance. And I remember Earl being like, we need somebody to do that. Who are we going to have do that? And, and I was just like, well, why not me? You know, And I didn't have any sales experience. I was not good at the job yet. I was, I'm, a very, I'm kind of a slow learner. And so... You know, but I was like, I'm willing to go out and do things that have never been done before. I remember being the first person in the region to do a hundred grand in sales. I remember, you know, just always setting my mind on like how can I push what's currently considered the norm? How can I push outside of that and and become a person who's not like everybody else? I've always wanted to be the person who is in the one percent. And that if everybody else is doing it, I probably need to do something different. Amy, what were some of your transformational experiences? along your journey? And what were some of the lessons you think came out of those? Growing up, I didn't really have good role models in my life. And I could look at my family and I, I was smart enough to know that I didn't want what they were doing. I didn't know how to do it differently, but I knew I wanted something different, but I didn't have the role models to show me. And when I got to Cutco, that's probably the hugest you know, benefit of Cutco to me was that it opened up this whole world of positive role models. So the first conference I went to was like mind blowing, right? Like inspirational and great speakers and positive vibes and just everything. And so I was so inspired by it. I think that's part of why I love being a speaker now because it inspired me so much then. But the point really, the underlying lesson is that I really learned the power of always having positive inputs. So whether you're reading books or watching positive YouTube videos or going to seminars or listening to speakers or having a coach or whatever it is, going to the team meeting, uh, you know, PDIing for the updates and the positive news, being on a group meet, a lot of people do that positive news. I think all those constant positive inputs are so transformational to your mindset. If I didn't have those, I don't know where I'd be. So putting yourself in a position to always have those, whatever it is you like best, whether it's reading or watching videos or going to live seminars or whatever, that was also super huge for me. And then the last thing for me as a manager, especially was just the impact of culture. Because, you know, early on as manager, I would hire new people and I'd train them. And then, you know, when they'd struggle or whatever and they'd leave and it was always so painful, you're like, oh, I'm working so hard and I can't seem to keep it building. I'm always starting over, right? And so I had to really focus on how do I make this a place people want to stay and so just learning, and even now as an employer, because with Cutco, they're all independent contractors, so it's very different. But even as an employer with employees, you think that it would be easier, but it's still not. I mean, it's still culture so huge. And so just making sure that it's an environment people want to be part of, where they feel cared for, they feel thought about, they feel heard, like all that stuff is so, so important. And I think that translates to customers. I think part of why Josh has one of the highest repeat order rates in the company, why we started Vast Action, which by the way, I know we don't get this a lot, but we didn't start Vast Action intending to help reps. Reps kept coming to us and saying, 
do for me what you do for Josh. And we kept saying, no, like we don't know. We don't do that. We'll teach you. But they'd always be like, that's great, but I don't want to do it myself. I want you to do it for me. And so we eventually gave in and like started doing it. But I think part of the reason Josh has such a high repeat order rate in Cutco is because he does that same thing with culture with his customers, appreciation and, you know, kindness and a positive environment and just all that kind of stuff. When he's with people, talking to people, the emails he sends to people, I think that stuff's just huge. You know, we're creatures of how we feel and you got to make people feel good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's a great segue into talking about vast action. What is the need that vast action meets? out there in the marketplace that people have. Once you've learned how to create like a best-in-class sales experience for clients, well, what happens is typically you become motivated to, to do more work and be more successful and your business builds. And as you build a book of business, um, one of two things happens. Either you do an excellent job at handling customer service when it's necessary, at you know leveraging your book of business into repeat sales, or you don't. And if you don't, cracks open up, things fall through, and very quickly you can have a very successful business. But on the back end, it's actually very, it's not very successful. We work so hard to acquire every client. And actually, the easiest client to please and earn trust from and extra sales from is the current clients we already have. And so, you know, we've just been on a mission over the last, you know, almost 20 years to figure out. How do you earn lifelong loyalty from those clients? And through our own experience, we've discovered a process that we call Clients for Life, which walks people through like what are the systems that you need to have in place to keep things personal with your clients, but do that at scale when you've got hundreds or even thousands or tens of thousands of people to serve. And then how do you communicate with them in a consistent, quality, value-added way so that they feel taken care of, so that they want to pay attention to your communication. They actually want... They look forward to answering the phone you call or they look forward to reading your emails or they look forward to getting your text messages versus being annoyed by them, which I think is what most customers experience, right? They're just annoying salespeople or annoying emails or annoying text messages or whatever. So we always want to buck that and teaching people how to create that high attention, how to offer service and show up on following through on that service, providing it in a timely manner so that you deepen loyalty. And then how do you strategic promotions, you know, push through that window of attention and loyalty, keep that window open as much as possible, and then push promotions through that window so that your clients are paying attention and they're deeply loyal so that they then are motivated and inspired to want to take action to support you towards achieving your goals. And so it's basically earning the lifelong loyalty and then converting that lifelong loyalty into consistent repeat sales. The thing that Josh didn't mention that I think is important for people to know is that, you know, growing up, and I said this before, I was always a hard worker because I'd always heard, right? That hard work leads to success. Like hard work leads to success. And I believe that's true. No one ever taught me though that success leads to more work, which it does. If you're doing it right, the more orders you take, the more you have to process the orders, send thank you cards, follow up, all that stuff. And so that's where we said this earlier when you say a lot of people get to that level where they're doing well and then things start falling through the cracks because they don't have the capacity to handle all the back end stuff. And that's uh, part of what he was mentioning as far as us helping or at least training on how to do that and using the system for it too. Amazing. Amazing. Well, it's great to see what you guys have built. Amy, I want to ask you about your book, Destination Awesome. Of the book. One thing in here you wrote is if you want to be normal in America, you'll be overweight, spend most of your free time watching TV, live paycheck to paycheck, and worry about how you'll survive when you no longer work. As I've matured, I've come to realize being normal is not a characteristic for which to aspire. 
Are there any insights from the book, one or two insights or ideas that you'd like to share? I think the biggest thing is what you said. I, my whole childhood, I just wanted to be normal. Like I did. I just wanted to be like everyone else. I always felt like the outcast. I was the kid sent home from school with lice. And I was the kid that was like invisible. And, you know, I didn't talk to people and I didn't stand out in any way. Like I just always wanted to be normal like everybody else. Um, in fact, there was a year in school where because my family background is so bad, the school put me in an at-risk class. They took me out of regular school and threw me in this classroom for all hours of the day where we really didn't learn very much. And I played chess with my teacher for an entire year until he convinced the school to be back in regular school. It was crazy. So here's what I learned from that, which I think is an important lesson from the book. What I learned, what because they they looked at me and said, based on her family and her brother and everything else, she's not going anywhere either, right? And that's not what I had planned for myself. So I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I knew I wanted to get into a new situation. And I really think that no matter what you're struggling with as a person, it could be anything. It doesn't even matter what your background is. You could have the most affluent, awesome family and you're still probably struggling with something. We all have challenges. No matter what it is, you just got to know that no matter what anyone else thinks about your capability or your future, you're the only one that can make happen whatever you want to happen. If a person like me can make a better life happen, I am I am nothing special like compared to anyone else. Anyone can do it. You just have to believe you can do it. You have to not care about what anybody else says. You just got to find... We always teach people, find the master and follow the model. Find someone doing what you want to do. Find out how they did it and start following the strategic plan, right? You don't have to come up on your own. That's why I loved Cuckoo. It was the first place I ever went where people just said, here's a book follow it exactly. Here's how you call people. Here's how you do a demo. I, it was one of the first times I didn't have to figure it out on my own. And it just worked. And it was so easy and nice to just be told, here's how to do it. So yeah, find the master, follow the model and believe you can do it because you can do it if you really want to do it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's flashback episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, you can find the full episode and show notes at changinglivespodcast.com. You can also sign up there to receive free resources from me and some of our amazing guests. Please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives. 